1: with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper.
2: Absolutely. You you see, you you rush that, Peps. I I don't often give you notes. Good morning, everyone. I don't often give you notes, but it's even as you and I... Okay. here we go. No, no, that's fine. We're we're off and we're rolling, and we'll leave all of this on there to hear the kind of arguments we have normally off the air. (laughs) No, but uh, even as you and I, there will be a a teeny groundswell of people who recognise that. It's from a uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy short where they're door-to-door uh, Christmas card salesmen and they've got the worst poems in the world. I don't know how to explain the titles of the shows. but uh, uh, And they go up um, uh, to one door and they've got these terrible, terrible poems inside their cards. And they, they knock on the door. Somebody the it and goes, hello, can we introduce you in some Christmas cards? We'll read one for you. And it just says, uh, Merry Christmas, Mother coming through the rye we wish you a merry christmas even as you and i <laughs> that is the worst doggerel bar none even as you and i so welcome everyone here we go again another two hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity uh, so before we get the show going I always pause there so the audience can actually hold their ribs and laugh. Uh, A couple of three things. uh, So there's not a lot going on today, to be honest. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll go back after a little bit because one thing started to dominate, as you'll find out. Oh. Uh, But, uh, uh... Crayola, Crayola the Crayons company got. Well. Oh, the
1: now, uh, Crayons company. They,
2: they are the American company of course. I never used to know that, but they are an American uh, company and the, and the Crayons um you have got a youngster. Are crayons yeah. still a, a, an attractive thing in this age of uh, Sega Mega Games.
1: Yeah, they I mean Wilbur has quite literally zero interest in coloring in really every coloring in picture in his coloring in book is half done by me <laughs> with a perfunctory scribble from him and then he strolls off and and how and, I, and that, <laughs> like, that, that that modern mindfulness thing i just think well i'll just carry on coloring this in.
2: Yeah, I, i'm not sure if i approve the adult coloring books they are soothing
1: mm. So- mm
2: you know, David Bowie covers and stuff. You thought, you know, now it's just turned into another hipster thing. Uh, but as a kid, I was absolutely useless at staying within the lines. I thought, oh, I haven't got the patience for yeah, it. I, no, I used to try. My, my brother and sister were really good. And when then felt tips came along, which probably gave Crayola a black eye, uh, once you went over the edge in them, you couldn't even sweat. Oh, no. Uh,
1: tipex uh, was always terribly obvious. The, 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 you ever tried to X something? And, and the thing that Crayola
2: don't—God bless you, Crayola. Well done. Uh, but uh, the thing they never say is the crayons snap. They snap in the middle. Oh,
1: and, yeah, and then it and all it, goes
2: wobbly. Yeah, in the if paper. you've still got the paper around them, they get they get that wobbly thing. But it's quite satisfying peeling the paper off. That's not quite where I'm meant to go anymore. Um, I don't think artists use crayons, by the way. Uh, pavement artists even use chalk. Uh, but but here's the thing: I looked up. Crayola's colours and I'm happy to say I suppose pastels are
1: a, op- a they're a posh version aren't they? No they're, they're still they're in short the old,
2: they? Like Pastels. Like... Uh, they pastels uh, anyway they did, I looked up to see some of the um, uh, what Crayola's uh, colours were and I'm happy to say some of the old favourites are still going burnt umber still ah, get burnt an uh, umber? Kind of, uh, umber is, is is earth umber you know Umbria you know Umbria in Italy ah. Named Ill. It's named after the earth. How about that? Oh, there we are. Ask that? You've got your raw sienna. I remember that very, very well. Your yellow okra. Ooh, I'm, not nice. sure that is. I'm not sure that is. is In any wit. they call it the okra winfrey, but they don't. Uh, and periwinkle. That very beautiful oh. periwinkle. However, uh, along the way, you've got your purple mountain majesty. Let's look what these are. Your permanent geranium lake. ...and Jazzberry Jam, although they've got one called... He's green. Colours. They've got one called Bluey Green, which I think they've... ...that <laughs> meeting, they couldn't wait to get out to the pub. And this one, what should we call it? Well, it's a sort of a... Bluey Green, isn't it. That'll do. <laughs> it's called Bluey Green. So, that led us... And this is not... This is the last thing... ...onto, um, uh, the Wikipedia page, just listing colours. It lists... Every colour, Peps. Can you imagine? Not just of crayons, just no colours. Colours, and then and I've got to tell you, I, I lost a good half hour there. Uh, and it's got the colour the side of them. Let me test you. See, see what? Oh, yeah. The what generic colour, colour you could say? Mindaro is a colour. Mindaro. What do you? would you see when I say Mindaro, Peps?
1: It's too obvious to say. I see a minty green because of the mm. M-I-N at the start. It is
2: indeed. It's a pale yellow Mindaro. Mm. It's kind of a pale yellow. How about like a- Gainsborough. An actual colour. Proper oh, colour. Um, green and yellow is... I'd, I'd go with a blue for Gainsborough. Close it's grey. Uh, and last one... It sounds like Bill and Ben. (laughs) Skoboloff.
1: There's one called Skoboloff. Like Bill and Ben. Uh,
2: What do you think Skobalov is? uh, A brown. It's actually dull green. But they're all there. If you go to Wikipedia, list of colours. You can go down them. It it, it doesn't tell us what the difference is between mauve, purple and plum, etc. But they're all on there and they all look exactly the same. So there's plenty there. There's plenty there if you want uh, the rest of the day, once this is over, explore the great world of crayons and colour. <laughs> but uh, the, thing, the other thing I want to... Before the show gets right underway. Before the show gets right underway. Uh, Warren Herbert Frost today, Peps.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: the inventor of the kazoo. Ah. Ah, he invented the fine kazoo. Fine instrument. It, it, is it? Is it? Now, you say that. Now, back up. You, 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 you show you're working on that.
1: I was very briefly... A Guinness Book of Record Part of a Guinness Book of Record What? Because I went to What? I went to With my parents Because I was I was a geeky child I went with my parents I was in my teens uh, To a recording of I'm sorry I haven't a clue yeah. And When dear Humphrey Littleton was still alive. Oh, wow. And he kazoo. led the entire theatre in a kazoo rendition. I can't remember what song we did. Oh. But it was a Guinness Book of Records. And we I, I'm sure it's been beaten wow. since then, a good 20 odd years ago. But we were all given a gold kazoo, if you please. Wow, perhaps to I to do the what, uh, record told me not talk this. to me about kazoos, that it's a bro. I'm here with you, sneering. Well, well, you want to thank
2: Warren Herbert Frost, the inventor of the kazoo, uh, 1851, patent number 270543, right? Uh, and he wrote on the patent, I intend to call this instrument the kazoo, but he doesn't say <laughs> why. So I looked that up and it's actually, at the time, a nickname, the slang for the mouth was the bazoo with a B. Did you change it? Well, uh, how about... Uh, here we go. So, uh, the bazoo, there was a very famous comic in the 30s and 40s in America called Bob Bazooka Burns because he invented this instrument that looked like a drain pipe with a, uh, a cone on the end of it. Very funny thing. You can look at it on YouTube. Bob Bazooka Burns. And that's why they called the gun the bazooka because it kind of looked like that, but he took bazooka from bazoo and equally kazoo so we're into all of that so I thought well like you said it's a popular instrument show's about to start everyone Uh, it's a popular instrument but if you went to Amazon to buy your kazoo, would they uh, be the highest quality uh, Are kazoo? there
1: qualities of kazoo?
2: Oh, ho, ho, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a regular feature on the show. We go to Amazon to see how the reviews of kazoos. It's your kazoo reviews on Amazon. And a lot of people are not happy. A lot are with their Oh, kazoo. really? It's a huge... Oh, oh. How can go wrong with a kazoo? Here we go. These are some of the um, more negative reviews for kazoos. <laughs> On Amazon. <clears throat> kazoo didn't work at all. <gasps> Saying that, they are less than two pounds, so I suppose you get what you pay for. <laughs> if someone sent off for a kazoo, we posted your packaging, got it back. Doesn't work. Is philosophical about it. All that in there. Kazoo didn't work. Saying that, they are less than two pounds, so you get what you pay for. <laughs> Next one. What a waste of money. There was paper in the actual kazoo, and after a couple of blows, it ripped. So it's not working anymore. Furious. One star. Next one, one star review. What a load of crap. I cannot believe that you have the front to sell this, Amazon. Doesn't even work. I want a refund. It's a two-pound
1: kazoo. All right. Do they know they have to hum in it? Are
2: are they just blowing? We're getting to those. One star review. All these are one star reviews. This one is succinct, to the point, and rather devastating. Just says... Actual trash, <laughs> actual trash, and there's a little photo of the kazoo next to it. <laughs> okay, and here's what you next one. This is just plastic, I blew, but it made no sound at all. You can't blow in a kazoo, it is not a recorder, doesn't work like that. Uh, next one didn't make a sound, don't buy it. this. It's a big scam. <laughs> Yes, this kid is blowing the lid off the international (laughs) kazoo scam. (laughs) Do not buy this. It's a big scam. He got scammed for his kazoo. Uh, Then uh, just a couple more. Uh, this this, This one's at length. I was very disappointed that it was so difficult to get a sound out of these kazoos. I've got two of them. One was worse than the other. The better one produced a feeble sound. I've heard other kazoos that are considerably louder. However, I like the two-tone, two-tone colouring. Sadly, this was not enough, in my opinion, to earn a higher rating. So, I give it one star and will not recommend this product. Oh. But uh, they take their kazoo seriously. However, and this is the last couple before we move on. Uh, uh, one is described and as good, good reviews, as a high-quality golden kazoo with superb tones. And one of the reviews says, This is a great kazoo, just as described. <laughs> Full endorsement, and underneath that is works perfectly fine. Thanks so much. The reason it's getting bad reviews of others is they're blowing into it like a recorder, which is not how you play these. You make the sound yourself, then you stick the thing in front of your mouth. <laughs> Oh, my kazoo friend. lessons. So there they are, ladies and gentlemen. The kazoo reviews of Amazon.
1: What are we doing this morning, Peps? We have. It's a lot of firsts. First, first the number one, the first thing that scared you. Mm-hmm. Number two, the first thing that made you laugh uncontrollably. Number three, the first thing you bought with your own money. Number four, the first date you ever went on. And number five, the first holiday without your parents.
2: And we've got uh, plenty to bring you on those. Just tell do you remember the first thing that ever scared you, Peps?
1: Um, well, this is, this has become, I think I've mentioned this before. I remember being babysat by my Nana Mm -hmm. and I, and I came in to speak to her and she was watching a film, black and white. And everyone always tells me it's a certain episode of something and I've watched Mm -hmm. it and it isn't. And it's a two police officers, one fat, one thin, and they're looking over a crater. I mean, it's that old trope. Yeah. And up came what looked identical to our the end of our Hoover attachment. Oh right. And went and all that was left was the fat policeman's (laughs) spectacles. Oh. And I was horrified. Why wouldn't you be? And I have never seen, and whenever I say it, someone says, oh, it's definitely an episode of this. And whenever I've watched it, it's not, but I I can see it. I can replay it perfectly.
2: Wow. Uh, Okay. Well, the the, the armchair theatre here, and again, it involved a policeman at the door and someone was going to get caught and I just couldn't bear it. Oh! Uh, I just turned around and started kicking the back of the settee and hated it, hated it, hated it. I was like, uh, "Who's the woman in um, uh, the, uh, uh, Charlotte Bot is it? So There's a Charlotte Bott, uh, The character always had the uh, uh, the fits." Oh, uh,
1: yes, it was. It was, it was Charlotte Bot. So give us something from over there. What do you got? Well, this is from um, Brian. This is about opticians. I'm not sure mm-hmm. whether we've talked about opticians, but why not? When my mum was about 82, she wanted some new specs, and off we went to the local shopping centre with the really large superstore optician, warehouse walls full of frames. And she took her time wandering along the giant wall, trying on dozens of pairs. 45 minutes later, she'd narrowed it down, and as she tried these three or four same pairs over and over, I said, Mum, where are your specs? The the ones you had on when we came in? (laughs) I don't know, she said. And then it dawned on us. She had hung her own specs oh. up somewhere <laughs> on the giant wall of new frames. We turned and looked in horror at hundreds and hundreds of frames hanging on the wall. The strange thing is, is that even though I look at her all day, every day, I couldn't actually tell you what her specs looked like. <laughs> and of course, because she wasn't wearing them, she couldn't see any to tell if they were hers. We spent. An hour retracing her steps until at last she tried on a pair that looked very familiar and thankfully were hers. Regards, oh, Brian. That is
2: a great one. Belting. Thank you very much indeed, Bob. Uh, this is a, a peculiar one, but I'll start with it. Uh, this is um, uh, about things you, uh, peculiar things you brought home from holidays, which was about 30 shows ago. But that's all fine. All our shows remain current. Uh, and uh, our friend Scott's got in touch. And says, uh, I'm about, oh, yes, I'm about episode 10. You asked for odd things brought home from abroad. I was in Pakistan 40 years ago in Karachi. One morning, packing up my bags to leave the hotel, I got my bag out from under the bed and I spied the biggest adjustable spanner I have ever seen. A foot and a half long, it weighed a ton. I thought I'm having that and I did. Please see the photographs below. In all my years of owning it, I've only used it once, still, it's worth it. Now he brought, (laughs) and I've got to tell you, I've got the photo here. It's bigger than a foot and a half. This is a this is two foot of spanner, and it's four inches across. It's a massive thing. I mean, the is it like a rock? (laughs) <laughs> is it something Keith v would have made up for us on TFI? <laughs> it, is, it is the biggest adjustable, it's quite right, the biggest adjustable spanner. What it must have done in excess weight. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fella, I may not be the most blokey bloke, despite what people think, but if I saw an enormous adjustable spanner under the bed in Karachi, my first thought was, oh Bunce, I'm having that. But our friend Scott did, and I think that may be the most peculiar thing ever brought home from a trip. A giant, and it is giant, adjustable spanner. Something else, perhaps?
1: Well, Mark in North Shields has sent us three of his firsts. It says I was the. Fir- this is. This one's a bit tenuous. I was the first person in the eighth-century crypt of King Ethelbert of Mercia in the new millennium. While everyone else watched the fireworks in the churchyard in Repron, Derbyshire, I snuck inside and crept into the crypt. Well done. Well done. And so he was the first this millennia to go in where the eighth-century
2: crypt of King Ethelbert of Mercia. Yes, it is to be an old tongue twister. I crept into the crypt. Crept
1: into the crypt. Yes, then.
2: Yeah. All right. he, 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 Leslie Crowther, the great Leslie Crowther, used to advertise um, uh, Wiz ice lollies. Mm. Wiz ice lollies. I, I, I hate to say, I was tweeting about them in the week. Somebody put on an old advert for the Wiz. And uh, it was a banana lolly with toffee inside it. And all I wanted then was that. Dream. I know, they, they rebranded it as Count Toffula after was- a while.
1: Was, I was trying to find banana lollies the other day. But banana you can't buy lollies, them. only from a milk, uh, only from an ice cream van. You can't buy them anywhere. Well,
2: imagine toffee inside it, right? And, and Leslie Crowder used to do them. And, and, and one of the earliest jokes I can think of, perhaps one of the first things that made me laugh in the theme of the show, was he was a priest giving he was a vicar giving a sermon in that voice that all comedians do when a vicar is giving a sermon. How's that, Reverend Richard Coles? Uh, and uh, he paraphrased an ad of the time line of the uh, he said i'm always here to hear your worries and if you ever want to unburden yourselves come and see me uh, under the church yes i'm telling you have a break have a crypt chat now i thought <laughs> oh that ain't bad i wrote that one down i'll use that again in 50 odd years <laughs> have a break have a crypt chat here's a story um again uh, within the lore of the show yeah, this this will make sense this is from simon uh, uh, I'm listening in the future to an old episode yes he is when you were talking about the subjects of big heads big heads Uh, we were doing about the biggest big head which I meant by ego but of Mm. course that literally literally got taken in the end to be people with big heads which is better so Simon says my loaf is so large that when we went to find a turban to fit it for my Indian wedding the poor salesman in the shop in Southall having exhausted all the regular sized options available went out the shop and was gone for some time I'm sure I heard him soaring and hammering, trying in vain to construct headgear that was up to the job. But he failed in his efforts, and on the day of the wedding, my head was undressed until about five minutes before the ceremony, when an uncle, friend of the family, on seeing me so unadorned, leapt at the opportunity to redress the situation and plonked on top of me the most lopsided and uneven pile of fabric you have ever seen, all the while gently pushing me in the direction of the gathering throng. I was too polite to say no, and now I cannot view photos from the day without my eyes lingering on the ridiculous mountain of textiles on my head. This same man, by the way, a multi-millionaire property type, I'll have you know, also gave us the cheapest present I've ever seen on the birth of our first daughter. Meant to be a comfort blanket, it was the thinnest rag you've ever known, and went straight into the bin. The man is a material maniac. Yours, Simon. That is. (laughs) There's plenty in there. (laughs) Oh, Simon. The writing there. um, His head was so big that he was willing to go against all, you know, thousands and millennia of of years of, of tradition, to do a, go through an Indian wedding with a bared head until, quite rightly... I'd, yeah, I'm on Uncle's side on this one. But I'd, uh, uh, please provide a photograph. I would love to see this huge carpet on top of you now. One more uh, peps and we'll have a little break.
1: And this is from Tim, Tales of MS. Your recent correspondence tale of the Marks and Spencer shirt display and their tendency to ensnare an anorak toggle reminded me of some other displays that they used to use in the early 70s. I can only say they were like low shelf units in which the only thing keeping the merchandise such as handkerchiefs in place was a low wall of greenish gla- plate glass panels at the front about four inches high and three feet long that was slotted between wooden pillars. Yes, I know this. These were about head height to six year old me and I regret to say several of them met their maker at my hands and he means at my hands. There was much fun in lifting out green glass panels and dashing them to smithereens. Oh, wow. The little vandal, Tim. No, wow. uh, But the real source of amusement in an M&S store was to find the colleague help bell. At the end of each wooden display unit was an oversized bicycle bell with a central knob with which a brisk anticlockwise twist would summon the colleagues with a cheery brrrring. Needless to say, as a six-year-old, many of my friends and I found them very good for embarrassing our mothers.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, my friend. I, do one, I, I, I said we're done, but uh, uh, there's some of them hanging around for so long and they're so good. Uh, I, I don't think we've done this one. Forgive me if we have. Uh, uh, John Kelly gets in touch. And this was uh, the very first words you ever said to your partner. Uh, uh, if, 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 if we've done this one... Uh, Feel we can edit it out <laughs> so, But back in the day before I was married my weekends mostly consisted of meeting up with chaps to get drunk I'd seen this beautiful woman on a number of occasions and didn't have it in me to ask her out for a date one night after several shots on, shots on top of a goodly amount of beer I did pluck up the courage to go over I stood in front of her uh, and had a few minutes of polite chat and then everything dried up suddenly I lost the command of English and wanting to ask her out to something to eat to go to a restaurant I said the following sentence so um do you do 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 eating do you eat (laughs) fortunately she did and she's been my wife for 14 years but the very first words asking her out was do you do eating do you eat (laughs) it just could not conjure up the actual i could say do do eating do you eat we'll be right back
0: imagine a world a world just like our own but importantly not our own is it the alternate dimension, or are we? And does it have podcasts? The Last Post. Hi, I'm Alice Fraser, bringing you daily news from a parallel universe. It's a sweet, sweet dose of satirical news coverage, some of which will sound pretty familiar.
1: He defended him, saying he broke the lockdown rules on a father's instinct.
0: And I just think if
1: Boris had shielded his as much as he's shielding Cummings, he might actually be in a position to give
0: parenting tips. And some of it is just... Pretty weird.
2: Air in space is becoming much clearer, Alice. And it's quite shocking (laughs) because there is no air in space. It's
0: empty space. So join me every single day alongside great comedians from around the world, including Andy Zaltzman, Nish Kumar, Tiff Stevenson and Will Anderson. Good luck to you.
2: Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show.
3: Radiating
2: out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train We'll kick our slippers off
1: and throw our cares away What
2: better thing to do
1: than have a jolly jape or two
2: Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession On the Danny Baker Show Take it away Danny and welcome back. Here we go. Uh, another thing, just uh, before we move on with uh, one of our most steamed and pressed callers. It is abs- uh, this. This he's been a long time listener, and I think uh, something of a touchstone for the show is on the phone for us. Uh, but perhaps you also uh, posted this week, I see on Twitter, the uh, display of your parents' wedding. Yes, they took a photograph of all the bounty they got at the wedding. Well, event.
1: mum was mortified when it fell out of the wedding album. Oh, how embarrassing! That 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 oh. was the done thing. There's, that you opened all your presents, and I think that, that your mum's friends and your friends came round the next day and all had a nose well, at the reception. They were all put on the stage. Age, I, don't, well, so I can't work out whether it was at the reception. Mum couldn't remember the reception or the next day. And it but she also had a list
2: bound to. She obviously had a list. They got married in 1970, and they obviously had a list because there's a swing bin in there, and a swing oh, bin yeah? is not something you would normally provide for a, a, a wedding reception or a wedding if, unless it was requested. There's a swing. There's two. There's a
1: blanket it. that's half of it's still in use. The Pyrex is still Indeed. going strong and the, the pool pottery, thing. the green pool pottery canisters still has flour and sugar in, well, in search, the cupboard, because Mum it's... thinks they're naff to have out now, but they've probably actually gone round and they're now trendy.
2: Well, Louise Pepper is uh, on Twitter, and if you go to her Twitter feed, you'll find these uh, this array,
1: this Aladdin's cave. Uh, <laughs> it is like the Generation Game price. I'm trying to see the toaster, because the great thing... You don't... usually There's you a lovely toaster. shiny stainless steel kettle that I is still it? remember. Well, it's about 1970 and I was born in 78, so that that was a long lasting kettle. But I'm
2: sure a lot of people, listeners to this show, will always say, Yes, that's what you did. You laid out all your wedding presents before you sent out the thank you letters and took a photo of them. But they would be on the stage or certainly in the front of the hall at the reception. Now, the reason I said most of our audience, because you can't presume all of our audience are, you know, of mature years, uh, because we know we have one listener that balances them all out. Uh, and he, he got in touch a couple of times. Uh, he's 16 years old. Uh, would you introduce our caller today, Peps, would you?
1: We have James, who, who poo-pooed my idea of um, everyone having iPads, I think was the first thing you poo-pooed, wasn't it, James? Yes, did. Welcome yes, aboard,
2: James. Yeah, it Welcome, uh, welcome good to good the morning. show, my friend. Good morning to Now, your name's uh, Powers, isn't it? My my best One of my yes. best friends... My teenage years was Ted Powers, and for a while at the New Musical Express, I wrote under the pseudonym uh, Amadolphos uh, Anwar Ted Power. I wrote under that <laughs> name, so I feel a kinship. How, what the hell are you doing listening to this show, my friend? What do you why?
3: Well, it, it was my old man that got me into it. Um, I remember qu- when I was quite young, actually, um, Saturday morning, soon in listening to the sausage sandwich game, bless and, you. Um, it's
2: always quite interesting hearing other people's stories, and I've it always is, listened the, to Some, without being patronised, some most of the reference points must fly over the head because you know come off. It. How many times do you say during a show, "Come off it, Grandpa"? Uh, <laughs> get, get with it, get with it. Uh, but uh, we appreciate you, but you 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 genuinely listen, yes?
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, it's, it's almost all the time. I. I
3: quite Like to listen to podcasts, um, just to fill time. Uh, before all this lockdown stuff, I'd like to travel to football games quite a lot, so it's a lot of traveling, a lot oh. of hours, and i uh, stick your podcast on.
2: Well, well, I can't tell you how pleased we are to have with you, And uh, at first, we thought uh, if you were just uh, someone being pixie ish. I actually thought today, when they said um, uh, we've got uh, James, our 16 year old listener, uh, calling in, I thought, I bet. This is a long-term prank he's doing, and he's going to be recording it at this end. Then he's going to call us all kinds of names and make us embarrassed and put it on YouTube, and it will be all over our face. I thought you might be pranking us. But when we said the other week he doesn't listen anymore, you were straight in touch. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> and you can tell how proud we are to have <laughs> anyone under the age of 85 <laughs> listening to the uh, when, when, when do you turn 17? um Next year, January. Oh man, you are be a little past 15. So you were born in 2004. Yeah. Yes, I was. <laughs> I li- I've literally got t shirts three times your age. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think anyway, I've got a jar of mustard in the cupboard that's <laughs>
2: <old. laughs> uh, But it, it is, it, it, it remind everyone the first time you got in touch with us. You got in touch uh, and it read um,
3: you, you were both discussing things in school and you were wondering what had lasted from your childhood into modern day school. So I emailed um, updating you on my school experiences and a lot of them were punishments. That's like right. Lines
2: cause I, 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 I said I don't think they do lines anymore and you said yes they do and, and gave us two or three other examples. Yes, I, I do remember that. Uh, what, what are you going to do, James? I mean, without sounding like your careers master. Uh, is, is, <laughs> is, is this the racket you want to get into or what? Uh, I'd I'd quite like to go into sport journalism, anything to do with football, really.
3: Who's your
1: team, James?
3: Portsmouth.
2: I know not told me he not like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I know like I, 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 they're old foes of ours. You may have heard me mention before that uh, whenever I hear Portsmouth, I think of two things. One, uh, I don't know if they still do it, but at the top of the paper as you left the ground, uh they would be selling the evening paper. I don't know how quick they'd used to do that. And at the top of it used to be a matelope, a sailor. And if Portsmouth yeah, won, look. he had two thumbs up. Uh, one, yeah, up one they down still for do a that. Do they? Oh, and two thumbs down. As you left the ground, there it would be. He would the sailor on the top of the paper would be uh, giving you the result with his thumbs. And the other one is we had some tremendously—I'm a Millwall supporter, of course—some tremendously violent clashes with Portsmouth. <laughs> they were, they, the Ewan leads. They're, that's they're, that's they're, those are the hard nuts. They really were. Uh, my brother was arrested down at Portsmouth. I'm saying all this cheerily. It's terrible, of course. <laughs> he, of course And it was at Portsmouth where my brother was so far ahead of the Millwall supporters chasing a band of Portsmouth fans that the Millwall supporters threw uh, half a house brick at the receding uh, Portsmouth supporters. But my brother was so far ahead of him, he hit him on the back of the head. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what you get. I know. That was Shard and running so hard after the Portsmouth supporters that a brick thrown by the Millwall supporters hit him on the head. Now, I'm only giving this as an oral history here. And uh, uh, how are they doing, by the way, James? How's Portsmouth doing?
3: Uh, uh, pretty well we're, we're on the way back up after a few financial issues but yeah. um, <laughs> tumbling tumbling down that league like a hell oh, we've got um your old manager haven't we we've got Kenny Jacket as manager
2: yes you have of course we have Brett Jacket he always does good for four or five years and like most marriages it goes sideways uh, Yeah, now, people
3: aren't liking was... them at the moment
2: well, now, James, uh, there's no other reason we brought you abroad than to prove to our cynical audience, see, there he is, he's real. <laughs> uh, although a lot of them are thinking you're a nephew of mine, I've put in pay and you're sitting in the next <laughs> room. But, uh, but uh, one thing I thought would do, because you've mentioned you, used to enjoy the sausage sandwich game And we are soon going to bring this back in all its glory. We are going to... uh, On Friday, everyone, there's a big announcement. And I mean a big announcement. Isn't there, Peps? Just a little. Just a little. On Friday, there is. Uh, But it's all of a piece. But what we'll do here, uh, I'll play one round of the sausage sandwich game uh, with with our friend James there. You want to play a little bit of it? Just a a reminder, everyone, how uh, futile it is. We'll play a little of that, James. So here comes the sausage sandwich game music. Okay. Uh, Pep's was reading an email earlier, James, about somebody who uh, uh, lost their glasses in an in a optician's, which is you know, a pretty tough place to no. lose your glasses. There's one or two other pairs to choose from. Uh, but I am going to ask you this. Um, Pep's parents, who recently celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. Pep's parents. Uh, you've, got, you, you've got no prior knowledge of this, have you, James? You, know, you don't know that. No. no. But uh, spectacles. How many... Of Louise's parents, when let's say when Louise um, was 20, when she thinks back to around the period, not now because that may weight the question, but when she was growing up anyway, how many of her when parents? When I went to, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue with them. Perhaps that, <laughs> yes, exactly. When you were growing up and you're with your parents, uh, and you think when you're younger, how many of her parents wore spectacles, James? They both did, neither did, or one of them did. How many of Pep's parents, when she was growing up, actually wore glasses? Both of them? No, no more. No, in no, absolute 2020, like the year we're in now, or one of them used to wear glasses. And the answer, please, uh, James.
3: Uh, I think it is. I think one of them did. I, I have a feeling uh, here.
2: About, how about you in your own family? Do you wear glasses, by the way? Uh, I well, well
3: I should, but I don't really like wearing them. And
2: um, my mum's blind as a bat. Why, <laughs> why, you say that? You, you, you again, without making all this about. Let me put that another way. I'm going to make all this about me being an old boy and you being young. Uh, when I was your age, then, it was only John Lennon when he did How I Won the War and more than little round granny glasses, they became fashionable. Four eyes, you, oh, if you wore glasses when I was a kid, man alive, you've got some stick. These days, it could not be more fashionable. I'm sorry, I'm lecturing again. Uh, so the answer was, the answer was, James, both of her parents wear glasses. Well, one of them does, neither of them. What did you say? Uh, one, I reckon one of them did. Louise Pepper, when you think back to growing up and you've got photographs of your parents, uh, by and large, and as a rule, both of them wore glasses. Neither of them wore glasses. One of them wore glasses. The answer, please, Louise Pepper.
1: I'm gonna peg it to when I was James's age of 16. And when I was 16, both wore glasses. Oh, I wouldn't have That's unusual, I'm
2: sorry, James. How about that? <laughs> you just lost all the money. Uh, no,
1: my mum's now shouting. I wore contact lenses, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, uh,
2: uh, my old man would not uh, admit he needed glasses all his life, and he would—he uh, loved it when they came. You could buy them off the off the rack, but, but he would always sit on them within a day, and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, within a day. But that didn't stop him and he would then uh, uh, have a pair that his uh, mother used to wear and I'm talking about in about 1900 and he used to hold her by the side because they had no arms on them and he would literally move them backwards and forwards that's it, like they were a magnifying glass. Uh, uh, there's plenty to be said about that. James, I-, I can't tell you how happy we are to have you as our probably youngest listener I'm thinking um, and-, and long may you reign. Now keep in touch my friend, yeah?
3: Will you do that with uh, us? Absolutely. Honour to be on.
2: No, not at all. No, How you no, no, sat. Uh, it is, it is, because whenever people turn around and say, well, you know what, uh, we're going to have to start culling some of the older, older demographics. <laughs> to the young. Saying, Do you want to break this kid's heart? He's just emerging into the world, and you're snatching away the one thing <laughs> that gives him pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Our Bye, Dave. James. Thank you, Thank, you, Thank you very much indeed. Uh, all right, I take it all back. He does exist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be, you know... I, I, someone, I, someone
1: put it on a young voice.
2: It's it funny you should say that. I really did. I thought you got in touch with Danny Kelly and said, pretend to be 16. Uh, I'm 16. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. Thank you very much. I happen to like Sly Stone, so what of it? Uh, so, <laughs> but there it is. An actual, real, uh, teenage listener to the show. Man, I feel rejuvenated. Uh, Give <laughs> us
1: something from over there, perhaps. This is from Simon. He sent it in a few weeks ago. Um, now, I'm going I'm, I'm to query this with Simon. because He says... On hearing about homemade sledges a few weeks ago, let me tell you about our unique family sledging discovery. I'm going to say, Simon, it's not that unique. (laughs) I grew up in the 60s and 70s in a house overlooking a park in Brighton that was on a slope that was just about flat enough for football, but also sloping enough for sledging. It was perfect. It was surrounded by streetlights, so we would go over at night once the snow had hardened into sheet ice. We had the normal regulation sledge made of wood, but one Christmas, my mum came up with the ske- sledge idea at which perhaps even skeleton gold medalist Amy Williams would blanch at. She reasoned the best thing was a non-stick meat pan from the oven. Now, come on, we've all sledged on no, a tray nobody. or a meat pan. Oh, a tray, I give, but not a Oh, no, I I, I do have a story of me on a meat pan.
2: <laughs> when uh, Simon thought i died. When you go man, if I talk about one of the pans, I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to wash them up, yes. Uh, but to, no, I couldn't slide down Blackheath Hill on a meat pan. Now what I want to do is slide down Blackheath Hill on a meat pan. So go on, Peps.
1: Sitting in the tray, big enough just for one's bottom, meant all you had to do was lift your legs up and off you went. The Teflon-coated metal created zero friction, and before long, a crest run level of frightening speed was achieved. However, for some reason that perhaps some sort of NASA scientist could explain, as you slid down the hill, the the pan would turn you backwards, so that your feet were pointing in the direction you had just come, and you couldn't see where you were going. (laughs) Steering, leaning, nothing helped. Backwards. Oh, how we laughed. My mum, well into her sixties by this time, was descending the slope at top speed and somehow jammed the hem of her parka under the front edge forward motion abruptly arrested she popped up and flipped 360 degrees in midair and landed in a clump, crumpled heap, accompanied by the meat pan that made a comical <laughs> clang as it hit the ice and careened off into darkness we all ran over but she was laughing her head off and she told us we could never take the meat pan over again Postscript: She cut the Christmas turkey in the same pan a few days later.
2: See, that's good. That I was, because all of us were thinking, but, but what about the pan?
1: Did it survive? Plainly it did. But you don't see this as being particularly uh, unique. Uh, uh, funnily enough, uh, probably about oh eight or nine years ago, uh, we had snowfall late one night, and where me and Simon were then living, the nearby park has a crater, like a, a, a bomb crater, in yeah. it. Yeah. And we didn't have a sledge or anything. So, again, we took <laughs> a nonstick meat pan out of the uh, oven and took it with us. And I think Simon did a run, but I don't know whether it was me being lighter. He said he stood at the top of the hill. I went down this pan, similar to Simon, started spinning. Turning round, yeah. But there was a lip into the oh. crater, So he said I literally took off and then disappeared from view. Just literally, <laughs> Bomf! Silence. Oh, but but it, that's
2: a, that, that sounded like a bonus.
1: I was laughing so much, I was speechless. But he said, for a moment, I just went... Well, uh, 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 Our but... meat pan was was then bent to the shape of my bottom. It wasn't... <laughs> well, there's just the something. Before, we've got plenty plenty
2: more uh, tremendous <laughs> input from everyone. But uh, uh, there comes a time when uh, the motion won't go anymore. Now, maybe it's me. I was, I was never... a. a, a uh, a, You know A, a fat kid I'm trying to find another way to say it But this, I, mean, I, I, I wasn't uh, It was only I believe in, in, After about the age of 30 I decided to get You know The George the third Beer and beef Gives a man shape uh, But I do remember When uh, I was I, I could not get that kind of um, That motion going anymore mm. on, on slides and stuff Particularly hell, Skelters There comes a, I think most uh, men here And I, I, I hope not women But nevertheless There comes a time When even with the Coconut matting under you 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 stop on a helter a skelter, and it's a, it's a, that's, that's it's nothing more embarrassing. It's awful, and you have to do that thing with your legs, kind of put, pulling yourself along with your your legs, because you know in a minute some seven year olds are going to go wallop right into the back of you. And so I gave up. No matter what the vehicle was, I gave up on sliding down things. I think it was at Ramsgate. It was at Ramsgate, and halfway down, I was only about twenty-two. I just stopped. Oh, look, that bloke's stuck. He must have have a big (laughs) arse. That's all you can think is what people have said. I didn't. And I didn't. It was just something about the dynamics anyway. I'm sorry you had to hear that. Uh, This is one that um, our 16-year-old listener, James Powell, would enjoy. He would be lapping this one up. Uh, This has been sent from Paul. On the topic of talking to famous people and not knowing who it was, I have a variation. This involves using the fact that someone didn't know who it was for other people's amusement. Stay with me. At my mum and dad's wedding in the mid 60s, Frankie Vaughan was a guest. You hear that, James? Frankie Vaughan. My dad was a theatre producer and my mum a theatre dancer, and they'd both been involved in the pantomime Puss in Boots, in which Frankie Vaughan had starred. I've attached the poster from the production. Thank you very much. Very pleasing. Anyway, at the wedding, one of my uncles had an idea. He told a few young children throughout the day, You see that bloke over there? Go over there and give him a thumbs up and say swinging or thumbs up and say dodgy. Each time they did, they duly obliged and walked over to him and he would say, no, no, bless you, I'm Frankie Vaughn, not Norman Vaughn. Every single time, it was swinging and indeed dodgy to watch. Now, uh, again, perhaps even you probably wouldn't have got that. Norman Vaughan was the host of the London Palladium. Not a very good host. He, uh, I've got to say, he wasn't a classic host. But for a while, he had a catchphrase: "Swinging and dodgy," and he would walk out and he oh, would yeah. say, he, 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 "This is, ladies and gentlemen, it's come to this. To you, James, a little impression of." Norman Vaughan, he was one of the hosts of the Golden Shot, too, which ties him to this show. Uh, he would walk out and he had a way of talking, which was like this while he moved his head. Have you seen what Mr. Heath, the Prime Minister, uh, was probably earlier than that? I've got change up. Have you seen what Mr. Wilson, the Prime Minister, has done this week? very dodgy and as he said dodgy with his thumb down everyone would collapse but he's turned it into something swinging and this became a massive catchphrase and he advertised roses chocolates on the t- television roses grow on you uh, with his swinging and dodgy so I'll do that for you James but the idea that a- <laughs> Frankie Vaughan was there was a much bigger well,
1: Frankie Vaughan kindly attended their wedding
2: it attended their wedding and they sent kids over to him and say Swing in dodgy no no that, that's Norman Vaughan I'm Frankie Vaughan ten minutes later another kid did it <laughs>
1: The uncle was sending them over. Same from you, Peps. Uh, this is from Matt. He says, Smarter than the average bear is the title. Ah. A few weeks ago, you went off on a yogi bear tangent. And it reminded me of a story that fits no topic. We were joking with our colleague who resembles a bear. And I asked him, are you smarter than the average bear? <laughs> this then followed an entire day of work. It was a Friday. When we came up with the scale of fictional bear smartness and then where Mark would rank against them. For example, Paddington doesn't wear trousers, eats marmalade sandwiches, but did make it from Peru, so must have something else. (laughs) (laughs) Lotso from Toy Story, pretty devilish schema, up the top. Is Bungle from Rainbow even allowed? Yes, he is, absolutely.
2: It's a bit wet, Bungle, to be absolutely honest. Uh, And and an indeterminate voice. When you think how strong the other voices were, Oh, yes, I'm a genius I am. oh yeah, I'm pretty oh, 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 you think you are a genius There then you've got your you've got your zippy and uh, mm. George and yet Bungle was gone Jeffrey, Jeffrey, it's what are we going to, to do today no, yes. yeah think can't do an impression the pilot and he was stuck with that voice after that um, uh, sorry Pep so that was
1: Matt so Matt, Matt was he, I don't think Matt can actually remember who, who, who won as the as the uh, well, uh, the smartest, smartest amateur, there. of
2: course would have been um, uh, well we're going to wrap it up a couple of little things before we finish got an absolutely beautiful story about um, Lucky Heather but I'll save that for, for Friday's show uh, I'll, I'll give you this this is um Uh, a poem been sent to us I asked the other week did you write terrible poems oh lovely And, uh, and this is the second time this has ever been sent to us this is from Andrew everyone uh I've kept my powder dry for a few weeks now, but I cannot let these pretenders carry on any longer. We were asking you terrible poems, um, stories, and things you wrote as a child. A decade ago, on a different show, you asked for terrible examples of teenage poetry. Yes, I did. And read your diaries out, which somebody nicked to made a radio show out of. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I submitted a song that I had written, which I thought worked better as a poem. I've been promised this poem would be published by the Poetry Guild of Great Britain. And they said they would let me let me have a copy of the book for just ninety five pounds. There is such a. It may not be that. Now this is the great kazoo scam. Yes, it is, but it may not be that organisation. But we had that Um, anyway. Let's move on with this. You proceeded to read out the song, and by the end of the verse two, you declared it possibly the worst thing you had ever read. (laughs) I cannot apologise. Then very good of you to get in touch. Therefore, I submitted again. Uh, now, a fall 30 years ago as a 15-year-old, I wrote it. The worst song ever, D. Baker, 2007. It is the opus that is called Being Human. Yeah. I, I read this before. It's not, uh, Andrew, I'm going to say right up front, this is not the worst thing I've ever read. Uh, so I don't want to knock you off to the pedestal there, or if that's what you wished. But anyway, he wrote this angrily. Uh, oh, oh, very angry and, and it's, it's about the human condition and he got to grasp with it so he says this is uh, Being Human by Andrew the splendor and the might of an eagle in full flight makes you think makes me wonder when you're flying up and under through the lonely empty sky with a field mouse in your eye and you take it home to share but your family isn't there have you ever wished that you were human when the giants of the sea are swimming wild and roaming free makes me think makes me wonder when you're diving in the water. Then you feel the neck gather tighter and the sun is getting brighter and your flesh is ripped apart to make a checkout girl look smart. Have you ever wished that you were human? When you know that all this happens and you know it isn't right, how is it you manage to sleep so well at night? Have you ever wished you were human? Oh, some spin on the ball there, isn't there? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's he's taken his poetry to the man there. Thank you very much indeed, my friend. Yes, the, the, I think, I, I know, I saw your face, Peps. It is the bit about, then you feel the neck get tighter and the sun is getting brighter and your flesh is ripped apart to make a checkout girl look smart.
1: Oh, oh, I know the checkout girl's wearing, oh, yeah me!
2: Oh. I don't know. You... I, I don't know. Andrew was just. It, it, there's a lot to unpack there, and thank you very much indeed, Andrew. Unless you've got something very quick over there, Peps, that'll do us for this week. I think. I think. No, I think. I think we are done. Yes. That's good. That's very honest of you. So many. You wouldn't be. You'd be surprised how many co-hosts would say, "Oh no, I'll finish if you don't mind." So play the theme tune if you would, Phil. One, two,
0: three, four, three. Oh. Climb up, come in, let's cozy down Wave goodbye to that silly frown
3: As
2: we chase our cares away In the treehouse,
1: The fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied As we laugh the day away My
2: eternal thanks, as always, to Louise Napoleon Pepper, the great-granddaughter of Ho Chi Minh on the other side of town, our 16-year-old listener, of course, who was with us this week, that's James, Phil Wilding, who produces the show, something else, always give us this platform, and we'll see you Friday with a huge announcement, everybody, and we'll see you then.